Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. This month on the podcast and over on the Forward blog, we've been focusing on redefining change. And change is something we have all come up against in some form over the past 12 months. Our relationships have changed. We haven't been able to see family as often as we'd like or keep up with our friends as much. Our work situations have changed. Most of us don't work in a traditional office environment or our workplaces are now considered essential and they just bring a whole different level of stress to those that are working there. But we would be remiss if we did not also bring into perspective just how deep change can go. There are many of us that aren't just inconvenienced by the change that COVID has swept into the world. I mean, for many, that change quickly turned into a crisis situation and is still affecting the daily lives and well-being of those to get on top of it. Joining me today is a forward woman who is not a stranger to this type of change, Diane Darling has ridden the wave of change becoming crisis many times in her life. Uh, And her desire is to see her story and her experience comfort and embolden those who are living out the same life altering experiences. Diane is an author with McGraw Hill and pre COVID. She was a speaker at events and is now hosting online courses for career skills like networking, LinkedIn and public speaking to name a few. So Diane, thank you so much for being with us today and for being willing to talk to us about this topic. My pleasure indeed. It is a delight to be with you. Well, I would like to know, let's just start off. When was the first time that you were really taken aback by a change in your life? You know, I've been thinking about this question because I think if I, 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 it seems weird. I think it was when I was six and mm. our family moved from Boulder, Colorado to the Philippines. Mm, that's and a big move. It's a big move. <laughs> and I uh, was taken from this wonderful mountain world um, mm. that I knew and loved. And Boulder at the time was a very small village. It was only 10,000 people. So those oh, of wow. you who know Boulder know it's quite different yeah. now. Um, uh, for those of you who know Boulder, there's a wonderful park, Chautauqua. We lived there for the summer. I don't even mm. think it had heat. And, you know, and oh, my wow. dad was a professor at the university and, you know, relatively young, you know, family, if you will. And he had gotten a, um, I don't know if it was a Fulbright or a Ford Foundation grant, but I think it was a Fulbright Fulbright scholarship to teach at a university Mm. called the Ateneo in, uh, in Manila, in the Philippines. Mm. It's considered the Harvard of, you know, the, the Philippines. And we moved. And I remember, I can still picture it now, which is so weird, of being on the ship we took a freighter for three weeks across the pacific and i was distraught there was nobody (laughs) there to say goodbye to me Mm. and i remember just you know like you know i we had grandparents who were alive at the time i certainly you know you're six you don't understand logistics and all that sort of stuff but i was just distraught and Mm. then moved to the philippines and because i was in first grade it was decided and my sister was pre-K, um, we decided that we would go to local school. So we mm. were the only white children in the class, mm. in the school. Didn't know race at the time. Had, yeah. We didn't know we were different. I mean, we knew we were different color, but it didn't, the meaning of that yeah. didn't matter True. to us. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, just things that I remember. I mean, we would, one of our chores as kids to make, I think, a 10 cent allowance was to fi- fill five buckets of water because the water turned off. And by at a certain point in the day, and when my dad came back from work, it was gone. You know, the mm-hmm. water was not yep. on. And so he had his five buckets for a shower. 
Um, many years, actually about four or five years later, I, four or five years ago, I was sharing um, memories of this with at Thanksgiving with somebody who was racially Filipino. Mm. And, and he had left when he was one. And we had a oh, discussion wow. who was Filipino. Was it him or was it me? Because <laughs> I understood cultural things. And right. he told the story one time that he and his partner, I'm assuming now husband, um, or were techies and they, you know, they blew out the power in the neighborhood because they had so many devices going oh on. Goodness. And then at one point, the, <laughs> the servant was bringing up water to the second floor for the showers and the bucket broke. And, you know, because again, they didn't have full plumbing there. And, you know, um, and he, and I told the story about the buckets and he said, well, why didn't we do that? And I'm like, because we didn't have the money for servants to carry right. buckets up those stairs. And he, True. all of a sudden, he, and again, who was more Filipino? I understood right. the, so the cultural nuances that his family wanted to show they had wealth by building a two-story, by hiring, mm. you know, whereas we kids were, you know, the staff, if you will, and happy yeah. to do it. So right. I, that's one of my first memories of a significant, and I was, I was thinking about this, there's, there's change, there's situations, mm-hmm. and there's crises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a change. Right. A situation, I think, is going to be Mitty's piece. That's a situation. Mm. You know, yeah. I don't know that it's... It, it moments it becomes a crisis, but in general, it's just an ongoing situation that's been mm-hmm. around for thousands of years yeah. that will be, you know, have its highs, lows. It will have problems. So to me, a problem has a solution. Mm-hmm. So COVID started out as a problem looking for a solution. I think it then went to a crisis and hopefully it will not be a situation. Yeah. That just stays. So, right. you know, I think that in so a crisis is something that's acute, such as COVID that has, you know, a crisis is a war, a crisis is a tsunami. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, hopefully has its moment, but then dissipates. Okay. So, I mean, how did that first experience with change prepare you for the next time that change or crisis or whatever did actually appear in your life? I mean, even you were six years old, but was there a resilience maybe that started to get built up and has that continued to be built up with every change that has actually turned into that crisis situation in your life? So I've moved a lot. I counted yeah. up one time. I think I've moved, I moved 16 times before oh, I went to college. <laughs> so we before then college. Came, wow. Yeah. So we came back from the Philippines. We stayed in Colorado for a year. I'll date myself. It was the 60, late sixties in mm. the Vietnam era. My mm-hmm. father's specialty was Southeast Asian politics. The Boulder mm-hmm. campus was pretty raucous. Um, it was a year or two later that Kent State happened, for listeners who will remember that tragic mm-hmm. situation. Um, and so we moved to rural Indiana. And then oh, wow. several years into that, um, my dad got an opportunity to teach at the National War College in Washington, D.C. So again, oh, wow. we moved from a rural city, mm-hmm. rural town of 8,000 people. And I went to a uh, high school that was larger than my town. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, well, it was a little about, yeah, it was large. It was, yeah, it was quite now, yeah, not quite. That's a little exaggeration, but it was, it was thousands. And my oh, town, yeah. my town was thousands. And I was just like, wow. And then we came back and then we moved to back to, we went to Bangkok, Thailand um, for, mm. so my junior year of high school, the second semester, I start a new school. And then I come back to go to rural Indiana for my high wow. school graduation, my senior year. Wow. So I think that those experiences have taught me resilience. They have um, 
you know, maybe an overshare. They've also in my therapy have taught attachment issues I have oh, because yeah. I assume I'm yeah. always people are going to be leaving me. Mm. Um, and that at times has, um, it's taught me some independence, but it's also taught me to be, um, anxious about people. Will they really help you, me or do they yeah. just want something short term? Right. Yeah. That's understandable. So I've, so the re- the resilience is there that has mm-hmm. brought me through. I also at times, um, I don't want to diminish. I want to be always, always compassionate and empathic to someone's pain. But there's times when I'm like, this is not a crisis. This is a problem. Right. But this is not a crisis. Right. You know, and we have first world problems. I mean, you know, there's jokes about it. But sometimes I think we forget Mm -hmm. what things actually impact. Yeah. There's a subjectiveness to it. There's a lot of subjectiveness. And yeah. I appreciate that right now, you know, people in COVID, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I can't see my grandchildren. And, yeah. you know, as somebody who lives alone, who has no significant other, my parents are gone and yeah. my sisters are minimal relationships with both of them for different mental mm-hmm. health reasons, yeah, including mine. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I feel I, you know, I, I got so frustrated at the beginning when, you know, Jane Polly would, you know, do a, a PSA saying you are not alone. I'm like, Jane Polly, you are not alone. I am <laughs> yeah. alone. Right. You know, you are right. not alone in your second house in the Hamptons with your yeah. husband, who's a comedian, you know, who is amazing comic um, with, you know, no financial concerns for, right. you know, food, clothing, shelter. You know, you're not yeah. worrying about your kids, you know, being homeschooled right now. And if so, you right. can do a pod, et cetera, et cetera. So right. um, I think it's important. Um, and I and I think during COVID, it's, a not, it's an opportunity for people and maybe, you know, women particularly to um, what, what if there's services that you can hire out, do some, pay, mm-hmm. you know, offer some paychecks right now for people. Yeah. You know, yeah. do some hiring. Um, right. You know, I, I I was interviewed the other day by somebody who's looking at doing some online coursework. And I said, hmm. if I ever won the lottery, I would hire most of it out. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do the video editing. I don't want to learn how to video edit. I know some <laughs> and I don't want to do it anymore. Right. You know, I would hire out um, somebody to do cooking for me and have food show up. Not because I'm incapable. I have, there's not a domestic bone in my body. I, you know, there just <laughs> isn't. And right. I would love, to, in fact, when I was seeing Diane Patterson, the founder of Forward, I was mm-hmm. at a little cafe one time around the corner from the hotel where I was staying. And they had meals that were um uh portion appropriate by your uh, by your height and weight oh wow that was fantastic so you yeah. know i mean a, a portion for me and a portion for ron gronkowski are two different portions <laughs> exactly you know yeah. and so you know i've always thought that's so weird when it's a portion i'm like how do you know it's a portion it's right. not a portion for me and right. so you know I, I would love to you know and i would inspire anybody who's listening to this if you have the financial resources think what are things that either you don't like to do you don't want to do mm-hmm. y- you know if there's a, if you if and, you know if you want to learn how to knit you know buy a course on knitting you know um a friend of mine teaches watercolor i do work courses on linkedin online um, I've got a special offer for anybody from forward who wants to participate and that's not a plug, but it's a plug. I mean, I just, I think it's, <laughs> you plug know, away. Plug, yeah, no, I think this is a really a, a keen time for people yeah. um, because then I can put that money into something else. Right. I, you know, I, you know, I have a bucket list of things that I've never really allowed myself to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to do some of those things. So, yeah. 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 I mean, Hey, we've got another round of stimulus checks coming if you don't super need it. 
put it towards that. I mean, you know, we've got the time. We potentially have the resources. Like, yeah, better yourself. Learn new things. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I think there's an opportunity for people to do those things. I have been doing um, a job hunters lab lately. Mm. I'm hoping to get that back on off the ground. Um, I've been, I did a, actually in, for University of Texas, uh, they have a, pro, a group called the Center for Women in Law. I did a speaking mm. engagement the other day for first year law associates. That was oh, remarkable. Awesome. Yeah. And then on the flip side, I help you know, partners at law firms figure out how they can delegate how they can um, figure out, you know, who they give some of their work to, because mm-hmm. that's how they get some really significant, you know, um, uh, traction on building yeah. building a book of business. So yeah. I, I think this is an amazing opportunity for people to step back. One of my fellow speakers, there's a group of us in a speakers bureau, and one of my fellow speakers has announced her retirement. And, you know, she's just so excited to, to go on to a next phase. And Aww. she says, I I bought some golf clubs and I'm going to learn <laughs> golf. And, and she goes, and I can't wait till the snowbirds go away because the golf Aww. fees are too high. And oh, I have yeah. the luxury of doing that now. So I think women and people who have mm-hmm. choices, yeah. allow yourself some of those choices if you do have the financial you mean, or the time. I, you know, the one thing that Oprah, the Dalai Lama, and Warren mm-hmm. Buffett and I have in common is 24 hours a day. That's the only thing we have in common. <laughs> but that is something we have in common. And I think of what they do with their day. Yeah. You know, what are the things that they don't do with their day? You know, they mm-hmm. probably don't do a lot of cooking. They probably don't do a lot of cleaning. They probably don't do a lot of appointment setting. Yeah. They probably don't do any video editing. Um, right. Because they have the resources, which gives them the freedom to think of the next way that they can be of service and mm. be supportive of their community. Yeah. Well, and we mentioned in, in the beginning, you know, pre-COVID, you did a lot of speaking. You know, that was something that you really liked. So once the COVID situation got a little bit more dire, you, like a lot of Americans, found yourself losing income and your job security. Um, so, I mean, like, I'd love to know, what did that, what did you feel like in that time? You know, what... What what was and what is, I guess, your plan to move forward from that? What it felt like at the time was going off a Thelma and Louise, going off a cliff oh, with yeah. nothing, with yeah. absolutely nothing. And again, not having a fair amount of support, um, mm, yeah. you know, even just somebody as a sounding board <laughs> and having people, I miss my grandchildren. And I'm like, not that I don't love your grandchildren or, you know, I don't even know your grandchildren. Not that that's a valid pain, but yeah. I do think there is a unique thing, particularly for women who, you know, this crisis has taken a more intense toll on women. Mm-hmm. Mothers who are trying to, you know, be a teacher by day and keep a job during by day. And, right. you know, um, and one person I remember her saying, you know, family and husbands are not all this that's not all one it's separate no. you've got oh, a yes. relationship with a significant <laughs> other and you've got a family and I don't have either yeah. but yeah. um I I do empathize tremendously mm-hmm. sometimes when I wake up and I'm like so you know don't have a, like I don't have three kids screaming at me I don't have I right. haven't had to do toast by now or get somebody yeah. <laughs> but I do think that there is a a, a different situation for women mm-hmm. who are on their own and often women will end up you know be due to divorce passings yeah. Um, some of them will have financial information that they are knowledgeable. Um, there's a group of women we go camping on an island in Maine every year. And there's a woman there who sadly her husband was killed in a plane axe crash. Mm. And uh, and she said she didn't know where their marriage certificate was. She didn't oh know word. where anything was. And so wow. she now does, you know, workshops in Indiana to share some of her learnings about why, you know, 
So if I was Mackenzie Scott, I would love to invest in a program to teach kids about food and money mm-hmm. because those are two relationships we have for life. Yeah. And the kindergartners would, you know, have to sort the apples from the bad apples to the good apples and yeah. know which ones go to lunch. And then by the time you're in sixth, you know, in sixth grade, you're helping to plan the meals for the week. And so I just, I would love to have some of these things because I think, and I'm, and my parents love me. I have no doubt that they love me, but I didn't know life skills. And so I think if you don't know how to negotiate your phone contract, if you don't know how to make a medical appointment, if you don't know how to speak up for yourself, um, if you don't know when you're being marginalized, I I Mm -hmm. am in a networking group the other day and they had somebody join and and we have a policy of, you know, only one person per profession. And I said, well, that person's a competitor. And this man said, well, I don't see that. And I'm like, thank you for mansplaining to me who my competition is. (laughs) Gotta love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, you, you've touched on it a few times now and it's part of the reason why, I mean, I was, I was excited to have you on here because I do feel like you are someone who can speak to this. Well, um, do you think, and I kind of know your answer already, but do you think there's a broad enough understanding and empathy toward all of the change that COVID has brought? Or is there a bit of rose colored glasses behavior that's going on? I thought about this because I think there's it's a Barbara Streisand line in a movie where someone says she's broke and she's like, am I broke that I can't buy cashmere or am I broke that I can't buy toothpaste? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that their COVID has certainly changed everyone's lives, everyone's mm-hmm. lives. How it's changed it has been different. Right. And I was watching PBS one night and there was a man who was, you know, tired of boredom. And so he set up, you know, a putt-putt course in his house. And I'm like, I live in 600 square feet, dude. (laughs) You know, the reason why this is dark behind me is because it's a gym, it's a kitchen, it's a dining room. I mean, you know, it's tiny. You know, I think economically this Mm -hmm. has been um, hopefully a wake-up call. I, and I don't. I'm not one of those people who disparages wealthy people. I don't yeah. get it. I really don't. I, I think people like Mackenzie Scott, ha, you know, kudos to her. Yeah. And kudos to Jeff Bezos and kudos to her for taking on the giving pledge and, you know, all the, the philanthropy and, you know, Jeff will do what he's going to do. He's bought the Washington Post and, you know, he's done amazing things to, you know, with that sort of stuff. I don't disparage wealthy people at mm-hmm. all. I also don't worship them. Right. I also don't feel that they're better You know, I bring, I feel very wealthy. I'm not Mm -hmm. always rich. Actually, I feel like I'm always rich, but I'm always, I'm not always have the wealth, the the numbers, but I do feel very rich. I, uh, and I feel that I bring an expertise. I'm with this online course initiative that has been on my bucket list for a while, but certainly COVID popped it up a few notches to do more online classes it's been hard for me to find people who are over 40 or 50 who are doing this because we're looking at ourselves on screen and we're seeing, gee, I remember my mother doing this, you know, if she'd only had, you know, oh, yeah. have her wrinkles, you know, I'm like, why is mom <laughs> doing that? Now I'm doing it every time. Right. And, you know, because we are, we have no choice but to look at ourselves and I'm looking right. at the camera right now, not at me because it's, it's courtesy if you're going to share this on video one and two, it's also, it keeps me from looking at my distractions and thinking, gee, I should do this and gee, I should, <laughs> who the heck cares? Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, I, I think that, you know, um, a lot of people I know are very anxious to travel. 
Um, mm. I've been in the travel business. I have been to 60 countries. I have been to all seven continents. Um, and wow. I am very blessed that I am very well traveled. Would I like to travel again? Absolutely. But what, what, what hits me with this is who will I travel with? Mm. Who would be my yeah. companion? Yeah. Then that brings me back to a very isolated, lonely spot mm. of I don't have that natural um, connection. Um, I have friends, but I've also learned that a lot of my friends are not here in Boston. They mm. are not walking distance from me. Right. Um, when I had an injury, talk about a crisis a couple of years ago, and I can share some photos if you want to with this and you can put them in the post yeah. because they're pretty grim. Mm. I had an injury four years ago and it came up actually again because Facebook reminded me that <laughs> I had had this. Um, where I went off the, the side of someone's stairs um, at, at their home and fell on the cement basement and um, and not knowing he had a concussion. Um, mm. Not She was a nurse. I, she was a friend. She was my healthcare proxy. So I assumed everything that she was guiding me to was fine. And she yeah. was taking me down a rabbit hole to protect herself at my mm. expense. Oh, wow. um, and she has not spoken to me since. And she has told people I've sued her. I did have to find a lawyer to ask her to get a, um, a to do a claim. Um, oh. But in the process of all of that, um, I lost my business, mm. and I had to file bankruptcy. Wow. And um, and so you know, again, feeling a sense of betrayal, a sense of mm -hmm. um, angst, a sense of um, failure, um, yeah. and. And so I think those are really, you know, that was a crisis. It's not a situation. It's gone. I had to deal with the problem. Um, I had, you know, to me, if, if I had hit her car, I would have just simply filed insurance. And I didn't think this was a big deal. I do think in hindsight, the good part of me understands her PSTD. She had had a patient who died in the cardiac unit that she was involved with and the family sued for wrongful death. Oh, wow. So I'm sure she had some, you know, situations if she had just simply said, Diane, I'm going through a, a trauma, yeah. I, you know, how can we best deal with this? I, you know, that's where, you know, I, I tried with my conversation skills, but when somebody doesn't meet you part way, oh, yeah. you, you don't really have a choice. So yeah. I think to go back to the nuances of this, uh, you know, extroverts at one point, I, I test as an introvert. I am a very friendly introvert having come from, from the Midwest, having traveled all over, having to learn how to introduce myself at new schools, make new relationships. I'm very competent at that. I jokingly say my Myers-Briggs is FFI, friendly, <laughs> functional introvert. <laughs> I'm highly functional, but I tire out very quickly. And that's when yeah. I realize I am an introvert. Um, but I'm very friendly and I like being helpful, but I, that I, I, you know, I could. And so COVID has not been as problematic for me being isolated, being, yeah. a, you know, being, you know, in that situation. What has been difficult is as a person who lives alone, as a person mm -hmm. who doesn't have natural connections, if I fell, who in the heck would ever know? Yeah. Now that was yeah. a fear I had, frankly, pre-COVID. And I mm -hmm. think this could yeah. be an opportunity for organizations such as Forward or any community-based organization to have a buddy system, mm -hmm. you know, of where, where, you know, what are some ways we, uh, I'm in a mastermind group and our leader um, has had a health issue, not COVID related, but she's in the hospital. And, you know, at one point when I was belly aching about coming home with groceries, and I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just have somebody else just simply say, I'll take the groceries off your hands. And mm. she goes, yeah, as if a husband does that. And I'm like, well, a roommate, it doesn't have to be a, a husband that I think yeah. every single person is after. I think it's community. Mm -hmm. Again, if yeah. I was Mackenzie Scott, I would start a real estate company and create a golden girl houses. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think that could be a huge opportunity. Oh, yeah. I mean, if she, yeah. she could buy some college dorms and flip mm-hmm. them and turn them into some, you know, but also make them appropriate that they're not just only for a country club community. Right. You know, make them possible for other people. Yeah. Um, you know, some of those people may, may want to work at them. Um, and so a story I have a previous financial situation was when I um, had been looking out for everybody else. And mm-hmm. um, then all of a sudden realized that I was, you know, my my business was not on track the way it was. And um, and I was either going to have to be evicted or find another place to live. I met wow. every nut on Craigslist at that point. <laughs> um, and then I ended up living in the YMCA. Mm. And at that point, you know, you're kind of not homeless because you do yeah. have a bed. You're right. not in a tent. So, you know, you don't quite feel like you're the homeless that we think about, you know, mm-hmm. in that kind of tent under the bridge type situation. But you also don't have a home address. Right. You know, and you also don't. I mean, and, and so for me, crisis, not crisis, angst moments and moments that gives me anxiety is um, when somebody says, what's your emergency care person? Mm you know, and, um, that's been a a challenge. And I think that that's something that probably, and, you know, not everybody realizes that not, you know, most people don't have that question or not everyone in your community, in the forward community would even know what that feels like to when you're signing up for a gym or when you're going into the hospital, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have to state who is your emergency contact in the event of a problem, um, that, you know, and, and I've had this, woman, I need to take her off because I think she's probably is still on several forms. Um, Mm. I, when I was working on some savings pre-tax stuff and I'm trying to figure out some, you know, that sort of stuff. I, you know, I have fear of financial advisors because, you know, I've, I've been hurt by many Mm. of them. And I saw my mother get hurt by somebody very badly. Um, My father got involved with somebody who um, suggested some financial decisions that ended up being devastating for our Mm -hmm. family, lost our college educations and everything. Wow. And so, um, you know, these are things when you don't know who to trust and you kind of want, so it's important for me to see transparency. I, and I always want to know how do you earn a living? I don't want somebody to not earn a living. I just want to know, you know, how do, how do, how can I make somebody else wealthy, um, Mm. and, and are rich and wealthy and how can I be sure that I'm a part of that ecosystem? Mm. And I think those are important things to do. So I think, you know, this is not treated everybody equally. I don't think that people need to, you know, give up their homes and do anything dramatic about it. I think in some cases it can be not financial, but other cases it may be. And I, you know. My, when, when this thing happened, you know, people were needing, you know, grants, um, you know, one of the banks was saying, you know, they don't need the PPP loan. They need a grant. And I'm like, I need sales. Yeah. I need sales. I mean, that's the thing that I need. And, you know, I, I hate sales. I, it's harder for me to sell for myself. Um, you know, I would love to have more people do sales for me, you know, and, uh, and other women. Yeah. What are three things that you wish other people would know about like what you really need when you're in a crisis situation? And, you know, these would be three things that you wish you could tell them, but you just can't. I, you know, I, I think you, 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 you got to know someone's money situation. Right. And, and that's a very personal private thing. Yeah. In Asia, it's 
it's interesting because one of the questions that you get asked right away when someone says they compliment your headphones and how much did you pay for them? You know, <laughs> in Thai, it's Taurai, Taurai, how much did it cost? Yeah. And it's kind of like they want to know you got a deal. You know, yeah. they, they want to be proud with you. They want to be happy with you that oh. you, you got that and you got a good deal in that you spent something that was worth it for that product. <laughs> it's quite fun. That's the first question that they ask you right away. <laughs> um, and it took a while to learn that. You know, I think it is, depending on how you know somebody, mm-hmm. I think there's different ways to say that. I, I wouldn't necessarily say, is there anything you need? Because it puts the burden on the person saying, right. What is that? What is that? You know, um, obviously when we were in complete, complete lockdown, you know, people weren't seeing each other as things are, you know, maybe even if somebody has food, I think it's also particularly for single people, you know, send them one of those food kits or, you Mm, know, or, or send them some things like, you know, and, and I don't, I I cook, but it's a four letter word at the same time. But, you know, I (laughs) I cook because I have to eat. I don't cook because I like it. Right. So I think, you know, if I had, you know, four or five salads that, you know, I knew were were portioned for me, um, that would be great. You know, or if somebody would say, you know, I'm going to be doing exercise, you know, would you like to join me two mornings a week to do, you know, um, Pilates, you know, Mm. or yoga or um, or let's go for virtual walks. You know, I mean, we'll both have our headsets on and we'll, you know, let's say we both want to listen to a book. We both want to listen to Diane Pattison's book. How about we start at, you know, seven in the morning and we each go for a walk and for a half an hour we listen to Diane's book on on our headsets. Mm. And then at the end, you know, what was the thing you liked most about her book? that you heard in this, this morning's walk, um, you know, getting out and exercising, I think is, I know intellectually it's important. Exercise is a four letter word and I'll figure out how to make it a four letter word. I just, (laughs) it's just not my thing, but I also know that that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the financial part of it about it is, you know, I, I really think in many cases, other people are your best salesperson. I love introducing people to forward. Diane does it well. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but I, you know, I, I love to champion her. I, mm-hmm. you know, I would like to have somebody help figure out who are my champions and yeah. can they make calls on my behalf? Can they make introductions on my behalf? Can they, yeah. you know, advocate for me to earn a fair wage? Um, you know, I think one of the things that's been hard um, in Massachusetts, it's now illegal to ask um, anyone, but particularly women, what's your salary? Um, wow. Because in the past, it's been used as a way to keep women underpaid. And, mm. and, and if they find out, well, I can get her for cheap, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and there's funny things about, you know, we should pay 70% of health insurance, you know. Don't get me started. But, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of things like that. Um, yeah. You know, just go to the dry cleaners and realize what women pay versus men, you know, or a haircut for goodness sake. But um, so I think that those are some some that, you know, money would be one specific thing. I think Mm. also, um, you know, I I partnered in the beginning with a group where uh, of COVID where, you know, they did touch points with you. Mm. In some cases, that's good. In some cases, it's not because when the person when you hang up, you're still alone. Right. You know, and so. um you know, I, my uncle and grandfather sadly committed suicide. And after that, Mm. I did some suicide training and, you know, and it was good to understand. And certainly I think suicide is on people's minds because of the Megan Harry interview the other day Mm. where she was very heartfelt and transparent about her suicidal thoughts. And 
and I know I have the DNA for, you know, depression. Um, and so I'm very aware of when I need to get light, get people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I seem like an Irish kid going to the beach and, with no sunscreen. It's just the DNA <laughs> I have, you know, yeah. and, and so I need to be very cognizant about it. Yeah. So I think the mental health, and it's one thing to, you know, have it on TV. It's another thing. But it's another thing for people really to kind of stay stay with you that you know the story that Megan told you know that she said to Harry I can't be alone tonight and he Mm -hmm. has his you know he had his hand gripped on her you know that indicated that you know and and he also said my mom had nobody Mm -hmm. you know his mother was alone you know so she was one of the most you know obviously highly visible people in the world but no one was holding her hand yeah so I think it that that's something I also think that you know um it may be something, is there something we can learn together, you know, mm. and, you know, inspire yeah. people, you know, the other day I, I, I used to do some knitting and the other day someone mentioned that she was going to do some knitting. I'm like, what are my knitting needles? And I found some <laughs> knitting needles and some yarn and, you know, and we did a little bit of a knit chat, you know, um, That's awesome. and so I think, you know, it doesn't have to be super heavy lifting. It doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, let's do this every night, you know, right. this huge commitment. I think it could be, you know, hey, let's do a, you know, open Zoom and anybody who wants to knit can join us for a half an hour. <laughs> and, you know, I think some of those hobbies types of things that get you away from um, thinking about work. Um, and I, I, but to go back to the financial part about it, I had a conversation with somebody the other day because, <clears throat> you know, I'm trying to think through of, you know, who would be the person who would make decisions if I'm incapacitated? Who would yeah. make the decisions of, you know, all of that? And um, and I think these are, it's important for people to know these are important decisions, mm-hmm. that these are not maybe decisions, and that maybe COVID can be a time when we clean up that paperwork, that we have somebody we trust who get, we know, knows the, the passwords for our last pass vault. Yeah. You know, one person, her, she's an attorney and she said when her husband, who was also an attorney, was going through his, their father's stuff, um, everything was, the, she said that things were everywhere and nowhere. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think a lot of us and particularly, and, you know, and I think this will be a longer crisis as I talk to women who are on their own, who don't have these um, networks Mm. Um, and people think you have, think we have these networks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've spent more Christmases alone. Um, and the reason why I met Diane was, you know, I had mentioned, you know, my hope is to not spend Christmas alone Mm. in the future or wonder who am I going to impose myself on? Right. Cause that's how I feel. And, Mm -hmm. um, and this year was different because a lot of people, you know, were alone, but right. it also was not the same. It was, you know, you did some Zoom things, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think a lot of people were still alone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, physically, mentally, and, you know, and I know enough people who had no Zooms and, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, and you know, you were talking about the open zoom. I don't, I don't remember if joy mentioned this on the podcast that she did with us, but she has a group of women who she's, she's also single. She lives in Chicago and, you know, can't go anywhere really. I think she said now maybe they're opening up a little bit, but they have a set, I think it's like eight to 10 or sometime in the morning where there's just an open zoom. You can stay on mute, you can do whatever, but you, you know that you have, you know, at least those four or five women that are going to be there. Um, and so she loved that. Like, that was something that she said that has come out of COVID that 
was amazing for her and that she hopes they keep up. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I know people, people are probably a little bit, uh, you know, zoom fatigue is now a term that people know. Um, but I mean, you got to You got to hand it to it though. It, it has kind of still helped in a way to try <laughs> as hard as we can to, you know, still be having those connections with people. Well, I've had a zoom account for years and, mm-hmm. um, and so I did, you know, some zoom training, early and then everybody became a zoom trainer and you yeah. know you kind of back off but um <laughs> right but yeah and you know google has google meet now um that yeah. holds up mm-hmm. to 100 people um I, I don't know what their time limit is if they have one but there's a number of tools and i think yeah. it's important for people to have these at the end of the day though i i still you know when i was when i, when I was back in boulder gosh i don't know 15 years ago now I went up to my old house in the mountains and um, the neighborhood had obviously changed pretty significantly. And, um, and I was taking pictures of the house and you were, you were at the house. It wasn't like you were in the neighborhood. I mean, it was, you know, the the houses were far apart that you were at, I was in the driveway and this man came out and he says, can I help you? I said, (laughs) you know, I lived here as a kid and he says, I don't think so. And I said, yeah, my parents actually built this house and we got talking and the long story short was he complimented me by he knew when the house was built and he didn't think I was that old. So I felt <laughs> pleased by that. But he mentioned that the Bradbury's were next door. I'm like, the Bradbury's are still alive? You know, I mean, Aww. when you're six or seven years old, they, you know, yeah. everybody seems senior. And so I went knocking on the Bradbury's door. I, at first, I, I can't bother them. I'm like, when are you going right. to next be here? You just yeah. don't know. So, yeah. and you know that, so I, the door opens and I said, Mrs. Bradbury, you're not going to remember me. I was, I'm the neighbor kid next door Diane Darling and she brought me in and the kitchen had Aww. not been touched since they built that house <laughs> and it, it was a cool old Colorado original wood it was mm-hmm. you know dated but just really charming and wonderful yeah. and Mr. Bradbury came out and I said did we hike used to hike over there and he says oh yeah there's a whole town now there and I'm like there oh, was wow. an old farm with a silo and he says yep mm-hmm. and you know we used to you know go hiking there and he says it's completely different and so Mm -hmm. we had a nice conversation as we were leaving there's a wicker bench on the front kind of like old wood kind of roped together in a wonderful western type style and she pauses and she looks at me and she goes Diane I remember when your mom knocked on the door and she said our president's been assassinated Mm. and your mom and I sat on that bench and talked about what that was going to do for our country wow and to place myself, I was pretty tiny. Um, yeah. And uh, and to place myself in that moment and think my mother needed a neighbor. Mm. So she could have gone, I mean, Zoom didn't exist, but right. I do think we still need neighbors. Yeah. And that is something that I hope we get out of this, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure we have. And yeah. that is something that I long for. I yeah. still don't know... The people, I live in a building of 170 units. Mm. Um, three people on my building are Section 8 um, on subsidized housing. Um, two people, including me, are in a first-time home buyer lottery home. Mm. So we were able to purchase our homes um, because we um, were shown as a first-time home buyer. We had limited um, savings and whatnot, mm. and we, but we wanted to live in Boston. And you, you keep it for uh, life. But I don't know how to exit out of it. And so this has been something that has been an ongoing issue. And then there's the market rate people. And mm. you kind of know but don't know who's who. 
Um, You learn it through gossip and things like that. But there, I really encouraged my building management to take this opportunity to build some community. And they've Mm. absolutely squandered it. Mm. They've absolutely squandered it. And I think that, um, and instead it's, in some cases, it's actually increased hostilities, Hmm. Um, which is really too bad. And so um, I go to the app called Nextdoor on occasions. I love that app. I found some walking (laughs) buddies. But it's, awesome. it, but it's, it's still, it's, it, it's been helpful, but mm-hmm. I want to take it to the next level where I yeah. could actually say, you know, um, I mean, I, I, you know, also maybe an overshare, I need to do a colonoscopy, but I need to have somebody who could take me home, not mm-hmm. an Uber who will drop me at the front door. They need to actually take you home or the yeah. hospital won't let you out. Yeah. And I don't have that person. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I was getting my mammogram, it came up in conversation and the nurse said, I don't have that person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Oh my God. Yeah. She doesn't have that person either. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, I'd love to have a, you know, business that's an Uber, you know, but it, it's more than an Uber because you have to have somebody who gets you to your, to, to, to bed and, and be sure yeah. you're okay after as after a medical operation yeah. like that. Yeah. Or a certain, uh, not operation, but procedure. So I think there's an interesting things for us to do. Hopefully mm-hmm. we can identify those. Um, you know, as somebody who's been in the travel business, who loves the travel business, you know, I know a lot of people are keen to go on, you know, safaris and Mm -hmm. that bucket list vacations. I think it's going to be a huge boom. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, but I also encourage people to understand that just because that light switch goes on doesn't mean that the pain of people who don't know who have a travel buddy or don't have somebody to, I remember one of the few times I, w- I was hiking in, um, in Wyoming and with a college friend, and he mm-hmm. was thinking about proposing, and we were having some very heart-to-heart conversations in one thing or another, and we were changing planes, and I started heading to the, the, the restroom, and he says, Diane, I'll take your backpack, and, I, you know, and I'll watch it. And I'm like, I almost started crying. I had somebody oh. who could help me with my backpack, and I didn't have to go into the bathroom, yeah. you know, with everything, you know, and un, you know, and one wine because I had a buddy, oh. and um, you know, I, I've I, I've often thought also about this other health, the way to help fix the healthcare crisis. I want to mm. get Warren Buffett to do this. Is you know, we need a buddy system. So mm-hmm. in theory, Warren Buffett is solo. And, um, or he's divorced or widowed. I forget what the situation is. And so he could have a buddy for a year and they, then they could get on Berkshire Hathaway. And then, you know, and then after that year, he could either renew the buddy system or not. But if we could get a lot of people who are artists, people who are on their own into healthcare, Mm -hmm. They could really help solve that problem. Well, so you've touched on this already. Uh, you know, again, I, I love listening to you talk because you just kind of are encompassing the whole conversation. Um, but in your opinion, what are some ways that we can all come together? You know, you've talked about, you know, putting together our collective resources, but, you know, in a way, in your perfect world, if you could have control over the whole situation, <laughs> you know, what is a way that we could all come together into a truly impactful relief effort for the changes that our nation and honestly our world are dealing with and that we need to rectify? So I think we need to rethink housing. I think mm-hmm. we've had this idea that we're in single family homes, that we are in, you know, apartments by ourselves. Yeah. You know, right now um, we've got these empty college dorms. I love to see them be golden girl buildings where you mm-hmm. have a, you know, when I lived in the Y, I actually came up with this idea that you would have a, you know, mini suite where you'd have, you know, your, your room, your 
bathroom, shower, you know, kitchenette type of a thing. And then you'd have, you know, the kitchen that made meals. And then you could have kind of a kitchen where if you wanted to do some brownie making or learning and sharing, and then you could have a craft room. And then you'd have a room where you were watching all kinds. We had one room that were four TVs. These are the ancient big TVs and you had headsets. And so different people would be in there. And so you could each be watching different things, (laughs) you know. Um, And then there was kind of the library that was the quiet room. And I think you know, we could if we could really rethink housing, I think New York and some metropolitan areas are going to be facing this as these empty office buildings may or may mm-hmm. not get repurposed for the same way. Um, and so and I, and I think because we aren't in um, the traditional, you know, some people are living traditional family units. I get it. But I in some cases, you know, we're not. And I think the Asians do a really good job of this. The Latino community does a good job at this. The Jewish community, in some cases, does a good job at this about creating community Hmm. Um, that I think in some cases, maybe the Christian community has not yet understood. It's it's more siloed. So I think housing would be something um, I think education around food and money, Hmm. um, you know, and budgeting, you know. Under-earning is an issue. I, I experience this a lot. I undercharge. I had one person who actually several years ago, and I thought about him the other day because he passed away, but um, mm. he one time told me after my speaking engagement, he says, I almost didn't hire you because you were too cheap. Oh, wow. And <laughs> so I think it's a, it would be great for us to be have better understanding, you know, what mm. um, our, you know, what our worth is. Right. Um, and and charge appropriately. I never want someone to feel gouged. I never want someone to feel like they got, you know, ripped off. That's not at all. But I also, in some cases, having come from an education background where, you know, my first job, I was earning $8,000 a year. Wow. um, As a teacher. And then as a tour leader, I think I was earning that, but I was also traveling around the world. So the compensation Mm. was not just cash. Right. You know, Right. So I think a couple of things that would be really helpful for right now would be some, you know, financial literacy, food literacy. But if you don't have a place to live and you don't have a roof over your head, it's all kind of out the window. Yeah. And then I think people who are blessed in other areas, if they can, you know, um, again, not I don't want anybody to feel ripped off. But if they can be generous with their um, treasure and their time and their talents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also helpful if we help other people. One time I spoke at the University of Michigan and there was a young lady there who really didn't like the idea of networking. She just really bristled at it. And she says, oh, it's so promotional. It's just, you know, and I, I, it was my word, not hers. It's sleazy. And she kind of, you know, didn't want a little sheepish because she didn't like that word. But I said, um, I said, you know, what's your name? She said, you know, Susan. And I'm like, who here can tell me about Susan? And the the hands popped up and, you know, all kinds of people were excited about telling me about Susan. And I said, so Susan, you mean you can do all the things that these people said you could do, but you don't want to tell me. Hmm. You don't want to help my business. This isn't about what you're doing and promoting. It's what you're doing for me. And at the end of the lecture, it was one of those kind of, you know, lecture halls that looked like a Roman theater and she comes you know stomping down like oh my god what's gonna happen now she looks at me with her eyes welled up and she goes I can't wait to tell my mom about you oh and if we can find somebody else's treasure and talent and let that shine you know when I worked at a faith-based school at one point they the the teacher read some of the applications of the first graders and this one guy said he thought he had a lot of hidden talents and if the teacher found them she'd have a nice day (laughs) Wow. 
<laughs> you know, let's help each other's talents shine and get out from these bushels and and light that light those fires. Hmm. I'm so glad you joined me today for this conversation with Diane. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org slash Diane Darling. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N dot org slash D-I-A-N-E-D-A-R-I-L-N-G. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite podcast listening platform and leave a review. Your review will help more people discover Work, Love, Pray, so your feedback is greatly appreciated. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.